Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Welcome to this episode of the Musicians Venture Podcast. Uh, I have with me here Kala. Um, Kala, thank you for taking some time out of your busy day to to join me on the podcast today. Thanks, Nick. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so Kala is um, a Wisconsin Music Ventures Green Room member, uh, kind of a, a staple in the Milwaukee music scene. He uh, was born in Milwaukee and, and, uh, and still lives in Milwaukee. He describes himself as a multidisciplinary musician and engineer. Uh, and he releases an album every year on April 27th. Um, and he's been doing that since 2006. I believe that is, that is the date of your birth, correct? No, uh, the date of my birth was 1991. Well, I mean like April 27th. Oh, April 27th. Um, <laughs> That's the day of the birth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you release an album every year on your birthday, and you've been doing that now for, yep. gosh, a, a, a pretty long, over half your life now, I think. Um, so in 2021, Kala uh, reached a milestone album called Half, where he uh, celebrated half of his life releasing music. And with each revolution around the sun, Kala explores, doc, explores and documents his human condition through various stories and song. He finds his inspiration from many places, and you may find yourself moving from Appalachian folk to French house seamlessly in musical collage when you're listening to Kala's music. Uh, he describes his pull toward music as not a choice and as a magnetic and constant presence in his life. He describes his draw towards music as, an in, as inherent to his being, perhaps even in his DNA. So that's a pretty, like, you know, a big introduction for you, Kala. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, I know you just a little bit, but uh, it absolutely aligns with my impression of you. Um, and I think, you know, a good place to start this conversation is just like where you're at right now. What is, what is, a, what is, what is a day in the life of Kala, the musician, um, like right now, coming off of what, like now your, your latest album has been out for a couple of months now just like what are things like yeah things are good i i just got back from a 14-day tour uh, to the east coast and back that was really great um i released the second song on firebird actually i started switching things up this year this, this album's a little different where i'm releasing the songs after the 27th kind of like changing the rhythm and the cadence to like go from like the front foot to the back foot or something where, and I'm doing focusing on just basically one song at a time and releasing them each quarter uh, as a, and uh, doing four of them this year, instead of, I don't know, uh, things have gotten a lot more busy and there's a lot more responsibilities and stuff, uh, that I've been putting on myself in terms of expanding in my business, a uh, sense. And so I feel like these last 15 years is like, <laughs> was just like nonstop music creation. Like, like it has to be 
Um, and now there's just, it's just kind of to be able to tour and to be, be able to manage all that. And as well as, you know, some other businesses that I've been working on in terms of like music tech and stuff, just kind of focusing my energy more on there and focusing on the quality uh, and the storytelling of the four songs uh, with Firebird. And so uh, the two, two are out. The last song, The Golden Apple, just got put onto an editorial Spotify playlist, which was great to see um, in the Grassroots uh, playlist. It's a nice song on the banjo. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, this as far as where I'm at today, man, I mean, this whole morning, I'm trying to deal with some... Um, some issues, damages done to my car from mechanic mechanics liability problems with a, a local chain here, <laughs> and so uh, no, you know no. dealing with problem. I'm carless. I had to like get a ride to rehearsal yesterday. It's so so bad. Like it's terrible for a musician to not have any wheels. Right. Uh, but I mean that's that that's where I'm at this morning. But um, as far as as far as yeah, the tour is done. I've got, I'm basically ramping up. Uh, for the next one, uh, going to Denver. I'm doing a bunch of stuff in October. Just going back, just focusing on building the relationships, building biz, building the business, and building the network right now is really where I'm at. I feel like I have a solid, solid foundation in my music, um, and so I'm just really focusing my efforts uh, of the time that I have allocated to composition to make it uh, to lean more on delegating to great musicians to like help bring these things to life instead of me trying to do every single part of it. Yeah. You, you made a couple mentions uh, in that last answer that kind of validated my eagerness for this conversation. One being that you said that this latest album is different when um, from an outsider's perspective, um, I feel like every album you put out is different, man. Like the sounds that you make are so like you're, I was listening to just like your, you know, this is color, you know, playlist on Spotify on a run last night. And I'm just like, is this the same, like, you know, musician? I mean, obviously uh, your voice, uh, you know, sounds similar, but the, the, the sound that you bring into your music is it's, it's vast and you, you, you have a way about engineering them to all make sense together and create this sound like I've never quite heard before. Um, so that's one of the things you mentioned, and we'll get into that later. But the other thing you mentioned that we'll also get into later, my, my professional role being kind of split between music, music and between musicians and startup founders, um, that there's a lot of similarities um, on the path to, to, to making it in either one of those realms. And so, so many of those similarities, I don't necessarily think are seen from either side of, 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 the, of that table. And, uh, and so I'm curious uh, to dive in further in this conversation, just like what you're seeing in terms of, you know, the, the things that you do both for your music business as well as your other businesses that are essentially the same things, but it's just for a different, you know, a different kind of output there. But let's, you know, let's continue the conversation from the beginning. So we, we talked about where you are right now. Let's rewind a bit and, and head back into the earlier parts of your life and discuss, like, just kind of explore what made you, when did you realize that, that music was an inherent part of your being and potentially part of the DNA 
uh, of your existence, and and then what was the decision like to to, to to decide to focus on music? Just take me through that journey. Sure. Yeah, I think the first moment, the first memory that I have of music being something that pulls me towards something or like that is like dictating what's happening in my life or whatever it is, is probably when I was three years old, three or four, right around then, uh, my older sister had just started playing piano. She was four years older. Um, and I just were, or I just came to the aware of uh, uh, the realization that I didn't have piano lessons. And so I begged my mom to do piano lessons. She's like, no, the kids do it because she grew up in a musical family. So that's some of the pretext. She's one of 17 uh, kids and they were in a, they were in a family band and they, they toured around the Midwest and actually the, they're the largest Amer American family band in history. Um, and yeah, 17 of them, yeah. the kids plus the two parents. Uh, and so I kind of just, I don't know, there was a piano and, and my mom had gotten my older brother and older sister piano lessons. Um, and so when I was three, I remember begging my mom to take, to have piano lessons. And she's like, no, you start when you're five and like when you're in, you know, first grade or whatever. And I'm just like, no, I, I need this. I just started crying. I was like, I need, and, and she was just like, fine, fine. <laughs> and so, and so I think that, that was my first memory of it was just, I think it was just, I remember playing the piano and it just like made me feel so, um, some, some which way that I didn't, it was just, uh, you know, yeah, definitely was very powerful. Um, and so then I just kind of always had that. I had piano lessons for 10 years. There was, I didn't learn music theory for all the music theory people out there. I could tell you my teacher because my mom would just listen. She never was interested into stuff. She just kind of orally learned the songs and she knew some scales and that was about it. She played the saxophone and, and clarinet. Uh, so she never really had a discipline in music theory, but my teacher had basically neither, didn't either and put all of our, all of my music into one key in the key of C like throughout 10, 12 years of it. I didn't even know what other keys were like until later in my life when I, I mean, once I started, once I realized that I could record something on my computer, then it was like game over. And I, my friend told me, showed me FL Studio because I was also very interested in computers. My dad's computer science guy. So once they like merged together, like that love of that love of that feeling on the piano, but now I can like capture it digitally and now like have more tool e tools to be able to, to articulate and to recreate my thoughts and, and emotions and has set in like an infinite library of sounds and all in, so I could just spend every day just like, like I have so many old songs from when I was a kid cause I just did it nonstop, just nonstop composing on it. But I didn't know any keys or anything. It was just like super fun. So I, so I was just obsessed with it. And then like, I even get, remember like realizing like I shouldn't play video games anymore. I should just compose music. <laughs> it's just like it's just so fulfilling i felt so so fulfilled and then i kind of went the safe route a little bit and went to software like studied computer engineering but i was still building i was still building all the you know all the albums every year and still going after that because it was such a passion um uh, but then i realized finally that i sh that uh, like the, the final thing was that made me pursue it full-time then was uh, it was I mean, it was a culmination of things, but
but I just, one of the catalysts was receiving an email from someone of all these paragraphs of this one particular song of that, that they had listened to over and over during an incredibly painful and scary part of their life. You know, like there was, there was loss of like families and then just like all their, these lost everything and we're committing, you know, we're on the verge of committing suicide over and over. And they said, then they just had this whole paragraphs of like visions that they would have listening to the song when they're like coming to and all the stuff and how it changed their life. And it's got them through that time. And then I would just be like, oh, I don't know, that, that was a huge moment. Like when I, when I finally understood a little bit of the taste of responsibility, like with the, with it. And that was like scary, but it was also like super uh, reassuring. And like, it was like, no, this is, I mean, that was one thing. And then, so then I decided to go to Trinity college in Dublin and study music there um, to like pivot at like, like do a real pivot and a reset and like go to Ireland and like live there for two years, just focus on music. Um, and I had adorned the symbol called Awen, which is like a Celtic, it's an old Celtic symbol uh, for on all my music. And when I was there, my sister came to visit and she found the symbol, like when they were just, her and her friend were going around, they found it in a castle, like in the corner hidden somewhere. And it was, they were just like, what the hell? And, uh, and then they sent it to me and then I started seeing it everywhere. And I would ask all the Irish people like, do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? And they'd be like, no, I don't know what that is. And it was just like, what? So I don't know. It was this thing where I was like, it was super affirming, like, whoa, this sim like I went to William Butler Yeats's grave where, and like in the chapel, like there's the symbol on the, in the, like under a table in the corner where there's all these pamphlets on it. And I'm just like, whoa, it's like etched into the marble flooring. And I was, and so it was, and people didn't know what it was. And I was just like, what? And I don't, I mean, I don't, I just know like what Wikipedia and, uh, you know, some of these books that I've had <laughs> bought and stuff like tell me about it, but like, I haven't really heard, talked to any, any person who knows that stuff. But like, to me, like symbols are super powerful as a storyteller. Like, and I understand like, 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 I don't know that you weave your own stories in your own life. Right. And like that symbol, like being there, I, obviously I went there and that's where, you know, there's a lot of coincidence in it. Right. But like, it was, it felt like synchronicity. And then, so then I was like, okay, yeah, this I'm on, like, this was the right sign, right? It was a sign. It's like, like, okay, yeah, I came here to find something and there it is. And even if I made that happen, because it's like the chances of that symbol being there and be, you know, and of course like our, you know, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice story at least. <laughs> For sure. I think it's super interesting um, as like kind of, you know, musicians, seem to have like a draw to music but then having some sort of external validation of that draw to music is i think that's the, huge that's why musicians are like always looking for happy to get applause because yeah. it's like <laughs> you know it's like it's a scary thing a little bit it's a, for a lot of people to be to to dive deep into your own soul and then like show it to everybody yeah so when you were in dublin studying music um uh what what that was was that after or before you started putting out albums on your birthday every year that was well after that was in 20 that was 10 years after so a decade after i okay. i started releasing music um that's when i was like all right now i'm 
ready to do this. <laughs> it's like I did it for 10 years. There's still nothing in my life that competed to the feeling, that feeling of getting a message from someone like that. And then also I would be like, I don't know about this. I, maybe I should go in and just do freelance, freelance web development. And, uh, but then I get like a YouTube comment or something being like, please, God, don't ever stop. Don't stop. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. And I just be like, whoa, like, like what the, like, and like getting, getting that, like, it's like a, it's just, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not crazy. Like, maybe this is like something that I was destined to do. Like getting the validation. I'm getting that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I can, I'm, I love the scientific method, you know, and like, being able to get, being able to get uh, you know information to do analysis proper information to do an analysis and come to the conclusion of you know like hypothesis you know problem how do I be a musician you know like like <laughs> let's do it like this you know and then to get the to get the actual feedback that's huge you know and that I mean that's with everything right in business and any any choice like it takes a lot of uh, you know, but I also, you know, had, it's also compounding over 10 years of releasing it, you know? Mm -hmm. So like that, that matters too. Cause there's people that I'll talk to that'll be like, oh yeah, I've been since 2009, I've been listening to you. It's just like, holy shit. <laughs> that was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, uh, you know, you kind of talked about the, like the conceptual side of your, of your musicianship and just how you came into that. I'm curious on the other side of it though, the the business side, was that something that you picked up just from being part of a like a music oriented family or was that something that you learned at Trinity? Like what, where was the sources of learning for how to, how to turn this draw that you had to music into a business? Yeah, I think, I think it, it probably, it, I mean, my, I'd say, my it comes directly probably from my mom's family primarily in in the sense of my mom would as she got older and was started to get more responsibility in the band and she she developed certain particular skills towards entrepreneurship already uh with the band which is you know what my grandpa did as well just starting it and doing it and you know he came you know like uh, so she, when she became older and a little bit more able to start negotiating and dealing with things, she became the band manager. Um, and so she was then negotiating rates and doing things in my, and she tells a story about my grandpa charging like nothing for huge corporate events and stuff. And my mom's like, no, he's not <laughs> and, and, like, you can't do that. And he's like, fine. You know, she he convinced her to, to let her do it basically, and he's like, "Fine." Uh, and then, yeah, then she was able to double, triple the rates over a couple of years, and you know, and just you know, he's, uh, you know, so she 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 um, then became an entrepreneur, developed a a soccer club, the women's soccer club, um, Southeast Wisconsin, and they they've been running for twenty years, and when I was a kid. Uh, I developed like a custom CMS essentially for them back in the day. And when there wasn't even smartphones, <laughs> it changed a lot of forms after that. But the, the, 
so she, I don't know, there was that entrepreneur spirit already around and it was already kind of linked to music. Uh, so when I look back, I can, I can see it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's all there. And I see that now. And, and then it wasn't until Trinity when I fully started thinking like, okay, now I need to pursue music as a business too. And like understand law and IP and how this all works because I had opportunities in the past. Like my first experience with music business was when um, I was 16. That would have been like what, 2007 or eight or so, somewhere around there. I was really, I was putting my music on this website web this is web two the web two boom and there there was this uh company in london that had a called carbon logic that kind of outs did this like crowdsourcing for music ip uh to be able to uh you know get syncs and do public basically doing publishing deals and and trying to land syncs and films and all this stuff um, and they had heard a couple of my songs that i uploaded that were these goofy ass songs and like this one song which i ended up releasing in 20, 2015 called rocket mon and it's just this funny, I don't know, like it's all beatboxing. It's kind of like Bobby McFerrin kind of vibes. Like it's just about this rocket, rock, this guy. And it's this weird French Jamaican accent that I do. It's, it was just strange, uh, but it was super fun. Like it's a super fun and up and happy song. Uh, but I was just, I was moving into like more serious music at the time, like not doing as, not doing kind of like comedy and just trying to, you know, be like an artist and, and, and then I, they like signed that song. They they were basically like, yeah, we want to do a sixty forty deal with this. I mean, I, at the time, I don't know, I don't know what any of this was. I was just like, yes, sign, <laughs> like yes. And my mom found it in the found the contract in the printer or in the scanner and came to me. And was like, what is this? And I didn't. She didn't know I was making music at the time. I was just kind of like doing it for myself, kind of keeping it to myself. Um, and I mean, she knew I was playing piano, but she didn't know I was like recording all this music and like now like signing contracts with companies in london you know and, and <laughs> that song didn't get, end up getting placed but a couple other things did after and some tv shows and some commercials and and stuff in london but the uh sweaty betty sweaty which is a which is a clothing line or some it's like a target or something i think something like that some shopping center place but but yeah so that was like my first experience with like oh music is worth money and people sign contracts to like to like somehow make that happen <laughs> and I, I and so that like and that was you know when I, at a pretty young age like i definitely wasn't at a legal age to sign the contract but like it whatever <laughs> like it 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 didn't matter like to it was it was really just like an awakening to me of like whoa oh like there's also a business here and then and then when I, but that but i didn't really like pursue it i was still just you know, still just being a kid. And, and my, my mom was entrepreneurial spirit, but didn't have like all the like formal business training or any of that. Like she didn't have anything. She didn't really know that she didn't have a lot of accounting and economics and all those things. And like, uh, and neither did my dad, he was a computer science guy. So he was just kind of project manager, worked for a corp, worked for a big uh, company and like did that route. Um, he had a bunch of kids, right. Just needed some security and uh to be able to just you know make sure everyone can eat and have a have a, a roof and all that stuff but um it was until later it, like after yeah in 2016 then i was like okay i need to learn every part of this business like i and i need to and know how did, you go about, how did you go about doing that was that just like books was it like kind of peer-to-peer -peer? youtube 
like networking with people, actual like just chatting with people, hitting people up. Like it's getting more, it's accelerating more now, like uh, for sure. But it started with me just learning because I'm just, I was just such a noob. I didn't know anything. And like, and it's a very complicated like thing to navigate actually. And so it, like even people that have been in the industry forever get think get like oh no wait no the publishing right the pro the performance royalties or wait what are we talking about? you know there's there's all these there's all these terms and all these there's all these derivative uh, particular in intellectual property with music it's just so convoluted and complicated uh, it gets I mean and the the incentive systems are built from you know when from a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. you know things so it's it's a i mean there's been some some movements you know of course like things have changed but um there's just a to- it's just a totally different world now um and so i i don't know i realized i needed to actually understand the business and then what's the better way to actually understand it than to start you know business and do it actually do it and um and yeah and and teach and teach what i learned and then you learn then you then you you know you get better at actually knowing your things and try not to be the person in the room that actually, that is the only one that knows (laughs) some basic stuff. Right. It's just like, like, and it's pretty dry with that stuff in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin in general, in terms of music business, like, uh, like there's there, of course it's there, but like compared to some other cities where, and that's where I'm realizing now I'm just spending a lot of my efforts focusing on, um, you know, everywhere, everywhere else like touring and stuff like building the network outside of Milwaukee. And I mean, it's my home for sure, but I've, you know, you don't, you don't you, like, yeah, just, I just feel a lack here of music business and not as many, like there's not as much resources available and like, you know, there's not really any, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of great musicians and some cool venues and, um, and there's some, and there's a lot of the local radio is great like the non-commercial and the core radio one, like Radio Milwaukee and 91.7 and stuff. Um, and those, that's all great. But I don't know how many labels are out of here that are like really working or PR, you know, like music PR firms or management companies or touring companies or there's not as much entertainment that music and I, I don't know. But, and I could just, I don't know, I've been here a while. So I feel like, I've, there's been, I've learned the people that I've talked to, like I've learned a lot from, and there's plenty to learn from. And there's tons of people that know that are experts here for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, the internet is a beautiful thing and you know, like that's, that's where I've been focusing a lot of my efforts now. It's just, uh, focusing globally. That's kind of how I've done it with color too. It's always just like, uh, I was, rec- I would, I would, uh, you know, record all this music and use the internet and distribute it before I even performed one show, like maybe 10 years until I performed a show. Maybe. No, I think it was, I think my first show was in 2009 or something like that. But, but anyway, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question that I kind of started rambling towards the end there, but the, yeah, it's been, a, I mean, it's, I'm still learning of course, but it was really only these past five years that I started to really pursue business and be like, all right, how do I have us have a, not just a sustainable career as myself as a musician, but maybe like build some tools that can facilitate what I learn, like what I'm learning to be able to like use my, my knowledge and understanding of software and of the music business 
and my experiences as a musician and now actually like help other musicians do what I've done hopefully even better and more and greater and you know that's that's the goal with the music business you know you create value for people um oh gotcha yeah so so you know how i guess influential has your learning about the music industry as a musician and 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 turning your music into a business how influential has that been to you know these other endeavors that you're you're starting you're working on um you know they're and, and if you can somewhere in this answer kind of weave in um you know your 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 being like the founder of um you know was it music was it freeland music exactly and then you free music land yeah yeah the free music land and then like the uh the firebird music protocol can you tell me a bit about those and and just like the business elements of those and how your journey of learning the music industry from a business perspective has influenced that yeah well i mean it's it's everything about everything for sure like um the every what everything yeah everything is like color i remember pursuing color and being like i want to be an open source musician i want to have my website be open source i want to have all the tools that i make like with my fundraiser that i have on my website and the you know the discography and art and management and like the licensing and all the different aspects of what i wanted to build out as color like it be, it color it was is like the, is like the prototype for kind of uh, all these different aspects of the music industry. So I've already had like an artist, like a business um, as an artist um, that I've just been building my knowledge and understanding and my and my asset assets like through Kula. Um And I re- and then I, through that experience, I've learned you know my limitations with certain things. Like man, like I don't, I'm not a good enough coder to like open source my whole thing and. Uh, put it all on GitHub and like maintain it and all that stuff. And I can barely, like, I'm not that great with Git, I'm not going to lie. And like, it's a, and I like do that at the same time of being, doing all the music is is just kind of crazy. So like, that's one example of limitation, but then there's these other things of like, okay, well now I can understand the the aspect. I, I took a good analysis of color and was like, okay, well, what am I, what are the assets that I have? Right. Like the, uh, and the biggest one that I, I realized was, well, not other than the actual prop, actual IP of the songs, which um, is, was the ability to license them to edit, to filmmakers, to video game developers, to short films, to, you know, to uh, anywhere from short films to feature films. And then, and, and all across YouTube and Vimeo and, TikTok and all this stuff where it's just everywhere where people can use music. Um, so I, re- I realized that I had um, developed relationships throughout the years in music sync licensing. So, and people, would, people in my community would come up to me and asking me that, you know, like, how did you do that? How did you get that? And I was like, you know, and I'd try to explain to them, but it seemed confusing and, and like, 
they don't know if they're doing it right or all this stuff. There's so many things. There's there's so many like barriers to entry to for them that it seems a little unnecessary where someone that just understands a little bit about software and what licensing is like it, um, then all then it kind of becomes a little demystified, demystified. Um, and so then I realized I should, um, you know, be, that should be the first aspect of the music business that I've learned from color that I want to, um, experiment with building a business in it, in and in and of itself for just for music sync licensing. Um, and do it the way that I, you know, through the problems that I've already experienced, the relationships that I've already gathered, um, and, and build a peer to peer music licensing protocol. And so originally I just, it was just a platform and MVP. And that's where we have right now the functioning MVP. Uh, we have a bunch of, bunch of music on there. We've already licensed, we've already issued licenses for, um, some local Milwaukee, uh, artists and uh, for example glenn mccormick has his great samba record and is always being used by the modern rogue which is this awesome um youtube channel that has almost a one one and a half million subscribers now so like their his videos are now being seen by hundreds of thousands of people there's videos with his music in it um and that's just you know that's just kind of like the just after just releasing the mvp and and having a small roster and in it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't until I met this developer in South Africa. Um, his name he goes by Blackbird. And till I, it wasn't until I met him that I realized um, the Firebird music protocol, um, and then realizing how, and and then bringing him in for the next iteration of Free Music Land, um, and that. The Firebird Music Protocol is all about the issues of asset management and ownership um, and, and, and identity. So what that means basically <laughs> is like uh, when a song gets remixed or covered, it's called a derivative work in legal, legal terms. It's a, der a derivative work and uh, so, you know derived upon an original work. And most of like the music I grew up in the nineties were sample based music. And those, those are all derivative works, or maybe you've heard a great cover of a song that you think is better than the original one or, or whatever it is there. The, the systems in that manage the assets right now are quite like it's they're they're, they're very outdated and they're not interoperable. They're not immutable. They can't like, there's so much variation, human error, all this stuff, like the same problems, I'm sure that people will understand, um, you know, that we've seen in our lifetime, um, technology start to solve, right? Like, for example, my mom, uh, when she started her soccer club business, she was doing everything by paper in a filing cabinet. And I was like, you know, you could just write a code, some code that could manage all that. She's like, what? <laughs> Can you do that? And I feel like um, when I met Blackbird, who is a blockchain expert, and he's a blockchain developer for on the blockchain Cardano, and is already developing an engine currently that's being released this this month called DropShop, uh, of basically a transaction engine that can that can use blockchain to to store data, to to manage value chains, and do all all these all these awesome things that blockchain technology is really good at. 
um, at doing. And, and then the whole, everyone can query it and we can all see it. And there's no proprietary algorithm for who gets to see what or whatever it is, right? It's all there on the blockchain. I mean, unless someone makes a proprietary algorithm and then they can do that, but at least this is all public. Um, but I'm, uh, so, so that's what we're trying to tackle with Firebird within that music protocol where I came to him basically with, with my album and was like, Hey, I want to do something more than just an NFT release on the blockchain where it's just like, here's a song. Thanks. You know, like, hope I can make like a crap load of money on that, you know, and there's people that have done that. And I, you know, and I, you know, more power to them. That's great. More, the more musicians making good money, the better I, I say, um, that I think that could only really last for, I think that only really lasted this last like kind of uh, boom. And now it's kind of bust now we're in the bear market of it all. And the, the prices are going down and it's not, it's now it's different. Uh, but to me, I'm focused on like the tools to be able to enable these things to happen. And, and Firebird music protocol is all about the derivative works. And like I said, so, so essentially I release my songs as stems. I've always done that as an open source musician. Um, each of my stems are freely accessible. So I'm going to be minting those as my, the stems of all my songs on Firebird. Um, and then people will be able to, ha to, to have each one of them and then mix them in an audio visual mixer application uh, where they can click and drag what they, what they, what they have, and they can then add their own or, and then submit their own derivative work uh, and to be able to be a part of the official album on the blockchain. And so what that, what we're trying to solve with that is just basic collaborative efforts on the internet. And a lot of these things are simple to like, we do them, musicians do them all the time. Like, Hey, here's a beat. Can you do something on it? But no one is not no one, but like a lot of people aren't going through those conversations of like, well, who owns what part? And uh, wait, no, you have to like, this is the particular scope of usage of my license. Like no one, a lot of people don't, a lot of musicians don't want to deal with that. So what we're trying to do with Firebird is to automate collab collaboration between uh, musicians and visual artists using a simple mixer application that people be able to, and then and NFTs as these tokens that can contain the assets information or like, you know, this is a bass track on this song and this was made like this and this is the owner and this is, you know, this is how if you get, this is their address and this is all, all the, all the information of, uh, of that person that is valuable about that piece of, about that song. And so, so yeah, we're just trying to automate that and prove, uh, some concepts that are, that a lot of people have been talking about with blockchain technology, but, uh, we're really focused on innovating at a protocol level in these in this application for Firebird and the marketplace for Free Music Land are really just the first, you know, our first usages of the product underlying protocols that uh, will issue out this information and these licenses in order to determine, you know, in in order in order to determine, you know, what people can do with what songs and how they can do it and just and how they can work together. Um, in a way that makes sure that everyone's ownership is taken is uh, is claimed, and you know, and that everyone's royalties are get paid. And in the at the end, I mean, 
that's the protocol will provide that information at the very least uh, at the beginning. Now, and I mean, then enforcing all that stuff and actually paying things out and, and integrating those, them with those systems, that's a whole different ballgame. Uh, but we're for for us right now, we're just trying to solve some su fundamental protocol uh, levels, protocol level problems and and build build from there. That is just so, so cool. And like, you know, most of the conversations I have with musicians are about you know, how to collaborate, like, you know, by sharing a bill or, you know, just jamming together and recording it and seeing what happens. It's, it's the actual performance uh, level of the business and you're taking it to a completely different level. And it's, it's super admirable. And, you know, I hope that others, um, certainly in Milwaukee, but in Wisconsin at large and in the Midwest are, are jumping on board with you. What have you noticed in terms of like the reception locally or even just in Wisconsin from musicians that are interested in what you're doing and see you as a credible source of, uh, of guidance for them to be able to do it? Yeah, I mean, the, the reaction on tour, because I would ex explain it to some folks too, and in Philly, it was great because this band that headlined there the the band leader was really interested in sync too but she didn't know like she was really interested in she just learned about it she really feels like it's a good thing that she wants to pursue and then i was you know started to tell her about free music land and she was just lighting up like with her eyes lit up and it was just and uh i mean that like you know, when I tell people about just getting someone in a YouTube video, they don't even care. Oh, one million, one and a half million. It's like, that's amazing. That makes it, but it's just like having anything, having any of your music synced in any, like even, you know what I mean? And anything is a, is a, is a start of, uh, you know, building, building reputation for a very feasible revenue stream. And I think that's what people, people, they know about it. They know about in term, when we're talking about music sync licensing. Uh, people know about it or heard about. It. Of course, everyone hears music on TV shows and movies and all that stuff all the time. Um, but people don't know how really of a, a low barrier of entry sync is. Um, you don't really need clout, and actually, clout is makes it more expensive. Which so, like a lot of people, unless you're have the budget to do it, like you have a big major film agency behind you to like get a, you know, but usually everyone, you know, there's, there's all, there's a lot of gatekeepers and there's only a few people that pro that represent tons of the music. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, when it all comes down to it. So like, I think people, people, the reception is, I mean, people are interested in learning more for sure. Um, and interested in uploading their music to free music land, um, in order to be for their music to be, uh, licensed and they just want, you know, a lot of people are just excited. They want to learn more and they want to, um, you know, they, they want to see where, what it can be, what it can be become and what the future is because where I see the future in this world where there are decentralized protocols to manage musicians assets, uh, you know, where you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily need the, you don't need all this legal knowledge and all these basic, uh, you know, all these, or even the power of labels that in the past were distribution is already like, is already white labeled. Now anyone can get a white label solution to distribute to, or there's even free ones uh, where you can distribute mu music 
to Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. Like that stuff's becoming ubiquitous. Like a lot of these technologies are, are, are moving in that direction already in the hands of the musician themselves as technology grows. Because I mean, the one thing that I do do hear from people <clears throat> a lot that I think would, and I've definitely felt that, in the, you know, too. And I definitely sympathize and empathize for the, 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 uh, the, like, the feelings that then the understand and I understand where it comes from. And, uh, cause I've experienced, you know, I've felt that way for so long <clears throat> and that's the like hatred towards the, the like bad business practices in the big music and in, in the big, you know, three, right. Universal Sony and, um, uh, Warner and, and that's the like 360 deals and the like taking, you know, taking, taking people's publishing and stuff where, you know, when it's really just a recording deal or something, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird things with like people's, you know, and everyone hears about Spotify not paying out and there's all these, there's all every once in a while, there's all these, uh, you know, and there's a lot of that is there's, there's a lot of validity to the, to the anger and frustration. Um, but in, you know, what I, when I try to think about solving these problems and like, you really have to understand where the music industry has, is, is now versus where it was and why, it, how it got here and that whole journey and understand technology's influence on this because in, in how everything's changed, because I mean, when we're talking like before the Beatles and before eight track recording and stuff like, man, it, it would be hundreds of thousands of dollars or, you know, to record, to record just an album probably, you know, I mean, there, there are people that spend that now, but like when they already have big budgets, but like that was like baseline, like it caught, it was very expensive. Um, so I, I wasn't, you know, don't, and there's no, and in order to make vinyl and distribute it, like there's no internet, man, there's no internet. There's no, like the factories weren't even as good. Material science wasn't even close to good as good. Like, like, things were expensive and they took time and they were a lot harder to do. Uh, so it's not that much of a surprise that the industry wasn't really like favoring the songwriter in the, in, in that, you know, people could, people could do that, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a much different world now. It's easy to put our values on the past and judge it and, uh, and be like, Oh, everything, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't and that's that's one thing that I've learned at least recently about people's reactions. And I I I you know I I I feel the same way. You know, like there is some evilness in some of these like bad business practices and these predatory, you know, IP attorneys and stuff that will just try and fleece everyone by like bringing them to the court and we're and saying, oh yeah, these sound the same. It's like, well, Mozart composed that melody like. 400 years whatever it was like i don't know <laughs> i'm now i'm digressing and kind of getting uh getting off track but i think that answers your question the the, the feedback from people that are excited about the future i'm very skeptical and hesitant of the, tr the lack there's not that as much trust in these institutions particularly in the music industry so i think people are are ready and looking for any way that they can see the future because when i come to him with a message of the future looks amazing for musicians <laughs> like more music than ever more people are able to 
like, and they get very intrigued. It's like, well, that's not what I hear every day. I hear doom and gloom and the industry's terrible and it's all, you know, it's all corrupt and all this stuff, you know? So to hear that people get, um, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's, this is incredibly interesting. Um, and I mean, I see you as a, as kind of a, a disruptor, uh, in that sense, at least like looking for more avenues to monetize what you're good at by using something else that you're good at, you know, like the technology knowledge and experience. And you just, you sit at a really interesting, uh, intersection as a musician and one that I think, um, is super valuable to any music scene that you're in and the relationships that you have because, I mean, like I said before, you could be a really credible source of guidance for musicians who have been spinning their wheels and um, trying to do it, you know, the old-fashioned way when there are so many new ways to do it, but there's a level of uncertainty and maybe even fear of doing that. And I guess... I don't necessarily understand the fear because the risk is, you know, if you try something new and it doesn't work, um, but what you've been trying isn't working, like what's the risk, you know? If, it, if you try something new and it doesn't work, like you're not really losing anything, you're just back to where you started and you would have been doing the, at least this in, in this case, you've had the opportunity to, to learn from the failure, you know, and I think that's what business is all about. It's just a series of experiments, you know, and you, you, you just keep trying things. And when one hits, then you learn how to scale it, you know, um, and, and you just have a way different business acumen and, and mentality than I think a lot of, um, you know, original musicians have. And to me, it's, it's a key distinction from those who, who make it and those who don't make it, you know? So props to you, man, for going outside of the, of the box and, and thinking about all these other avenues. It's, it's really, like I said, admirable and hopefully it's inspiring to other musicians. Um, so let's like kind of transition now in, into how you became involved with Wisconsin Music Ventures. Do you remember like what that, what that kind of entry point was? Did you meet Allison and, and then it just kind of, dominoed from there or what, what, what was that process like you know i feel like it's this feels like a long time ago <laughs> i i can't remember specific i know it was alice oh okay now i know now i know um allison and i met uh she reached out and wanted to ch chat uh at no studios we met through through no studios because i was I had gone there and did some shows and was working with their the general manager there to put on some stuff and really loved the venue and loved and loved the 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 whole the whole vibe of the place. I mean, not just the venue, uh, but I would use it as for as a venue for shows. Um, and uh, yeah, we met through No Studios, and then she just asked me to play some shows and had some really interesting. Um, at the time she pitched me, she's like, we like, we're like so far, I don't know. She was saying that she's putting on a concert series that was going to, that's more like exclusive. Um, and it's off the beaten path. Like it's not, it's in interesting places. That was the, that was her, her, her pitch at the time, which I'm, I mean, the business is a lot different maybe now than it was then. I'm sure it definitely is. 
Um, and so that, I mean, in that sense, it's been cool to yeah. see it, to see it grow and to see it, uh, see it change. So like where it was just me having a conversation with Allison to being like, um, yeah, interacting with all different sorts of people that are involved in it. And then get, seeing, seeing members of people in my community going and then watching people connect and do um, and, uh, and just seeing the legwork that everyone's doing and the hard work, um, it's been it's been a great experience um and yeah that was the first interaction was just i think allison just reached out and and we had some tea and those yeah. yeah well i mean as a as a big fan of and a nerd in the realm of community uh you know personally i i believe that um community is usually like the most powerful element of whatever you're trying to do and especially if you're connected to others others who are you know walking a similar path that you can you can learn from you can um, evangelize for uh in the hopes that you know that evangelization you know is is there's like a reciprocity to that and um you know i know that when I talk with other Wisconsin Music Ventures members, um, you know, you're one of the, the, the names that come up and everyone seems to know who you are. And I, I just, I always kind of wonder, like, was that a product of, of, of you being a part of Wisconsin Music Ventures or did you have those relationships beforehand or, um, you know, but all in all, it's just like, you know, there needs to be a stronger community uh, for original musicians anywhere. And I think that's what, you know, Wisconsin Music Ventures, at least to this point, three years down the road, has proven that that's a source for that level of community. And I'm just so ecstatic to see the business, one, start, and then two, evolve and pivot as a result of the pandemic and now getting to where it's at. I mean, I just saw something posted on Facebook last week of like, you know, one of the founding members of like the Plain White Tees found a couple Wisconsin Music Venture member bands on the website and has since like been connecting them to other people. It's like, that's how stuff happens. You know, you can, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but you know, there's a point where it comes down to who, you know, and, and not necessarily what, you know, and how accessible you are to those people. Um, so yeah, just super happy to have you involved with Wisconsin music ventures. And I think that, um, hopefully it's been, a beneficial experience not only you but the other people that you've met uh you know through that community so let's let's kind of you know i want to there were so many questions i wanted to get into but i also want to make this a consumable episode and, and not make it like super super long you know not not joe rogan long by any means um but uh, but you know kind of pivoting now to to the song that you shared um with us to talk about the golden apple your most recent single um, you know, talk to me about that song and if you can kind of weave in just like the, your, your, your philosophy, uh, for creating that song, the inspiration for the songwriting and, and how that has maybe been like a foundation for all of the other music that you've put out. I mean, it's so different. It seems like, like I said earlier, every, every album you put out, it's a different sound. It's a different kind of theme. Um, how do you, how do you keep that all straight? Because I feel like most advice that musicians get is just like niche in a particular genre and, and scale there. Whereas you're kind of taking the more like wide approach. Just talk to me about like your philosophy for creating music and, and, and why it comes out so differently, um, so often. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, ever since I was a kid, 
I never felt like genres were that great at at like uh, encapsulating essences of music. Um, and I'm a child of the digital age. I listened to vast ranges of types of music, had access to them. Wasn't very um, uncommon to like be listening to old folk music, but then listening to the new music, you know, like electronic music was huge. Love Daft Punk, but also, you know, love Joan Baez, you know, and, and love the, the white stripes and all the, all these different, you know, and like loved, I just loved them all. I was a big fan of them. And um, so I just wanted to play music like that, <laughs> you know, that's really the, that's really kind of the easy answer with, with that. Uh, I just wanted to, and if you put your, get your hands on some instrumentation, like all music is like similar and it's, and it's like, uh, you know, in the harmony is harmony math is math, you know, it's all, it's, it's all going to be, you know, the ratios and uh, between notes are always going to be the same. It doesn't matter what instrument it is, but the instrument is the stuff that brings character, timbre and texture and like all these things that are more qualitative um, and that are, that are maybe more, I don't know, they're, they're the things that can invoke a whole different palette of thought and feeling in, uh, in a listener and, and and I mean I just I was just emulating the things that I like and I love folk music and I love uh bluegrass like old roots bluegrass and stuff like uh and I love this new revival that's happening now and and stuff and I mean it's a like I love the Stanley Brothers in particular when I was in Ireland I would listen to all this trad music this traditional Irish music um and but then I would just get like these weird urges to listen to bluegrass music and it was bizarre. I'd never had an urge to listen to bluegrass music before. They're like, I'd listen to like, you know, the old, old stuff, like, uh, like the Carter family and some old country music and hymns and, um, and all those types of things. But I never really dove into, um, to a, a group or an artist in particular. And Ralph Stanley on the banjo really inspired me, his singing and his banjo playing. Um, and, yeah, that's the one I started listening to. It was was then, and so it's kind of just been a part of now my repertoire of music. I got a banjo, and then you know, every once in a while you write a song on a banjo. Every once in a while you write a song on a bass guitar, or you write it on a synth, or you write it on this, and then different genres kind of uh, are built around sounds, these textures and these styles. Um, and so then, you know, I just kind of take a crack at the style, but I put my own little, you know put my own little spin on it. Um, and it usually comes out pretty naturally and, um, banjo. Yeah. I mean, if it do, I mean, not <laughs> eventually it'll come out naturally, <laughs> but like, uh, after the, you know, maybe after four or five songs of trying, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, like in the next song that's going to be released is this like blues rock song that like this, this like gospel blues rock song that's coming out with like really sweaty drums and, and electric guitar with the big muff and um and some gospel vocal harmonies and cello and stuff so it's like it's all different and i do have a ver yeah so so the golden apple um this album firebird is the firebird is based on um like this slavic mythology folklore of ivan and the firebird uh, is particularly where i get but i i heard the story and it kind of be, like the symbols and images and things 
kind of, uh, kind of, uh, immerse themselves into my subconscious after I was going on tour before, before COVID, I went down to Mississippi and back with a friend of mine, pretty beggar, uh, from, uh, he's from Minneapolis. And we were, we went on a tour, we kind of like co-toured. Um, and he showed me the, there was the first like long trip that I did, you know, in a van. Um, and so he kind of like showed me the, showed me a little bit about how, how he had been doing it and full, he was able to tour around full time and make some good money actually as a solo artist. Um, it's a lot easier to do it when you're solo. Uh, but, uh, I was just listening to these, this great, um, poet and author that I started to listen to. Um, the poet's name is Robert Bly and this author, Michael Mead would tell stories. Um, and then there was this, also, there was this kind of this round table discussion at this conference in Minnesota from the eighties. These, uh, most of these people are dead now, but the, it, they're all, I guess they're all the part of this movement, uh, in the Midwest and I guess across the world, um, called the mythopoetic movement. Um, and that's like kind of like very much like the jo J uh, Joseph Campbell type of like heroes of a thousand faces, you know, the hero's journey type thing that um, like the, the, you know, what is a story? Okay. You know, kind of start, usually you start with the hero's journey nowadays and, and that's all rooted in basically Jungian psychology and alchemy and poetry and like all this, all this um, mythos mythology and philosophy and stuff. And so they, there was just basically all these experts in these areas in this particular movement. And they, and Michael Mead told the story of Ivan and the firebird. And it was like a six hour long thing. And I listened to it over and over again, uh, on tour, uh, where they would basically, he would tell the story and then they would break in, you know, two or three times in the story and tell, and basically, you know, mythopoetic, what math we, <laughs> wax mythopoetics, you know, uh, about it and say like, okay, this is what this means mythologically. This is what this means psychologically from a Jungian perspective. And then this would, this would, this, then the poet would tell his, his, uh, his perspective. And, uh, and then it, uh, yeah, it kind of became part of my, like I said, become my subconscious. And I didn't know when it was going to come out, but this album, I just started writing songs and all of a sudden the firebird came out on this golden apple song. Um, and I was writing it on there. And, uh, and the reason why it's called the golden apple is because in the story of Ivan and the firebird, the golden apple, um, the, the king, what he would capture a fire or, well, he was trying to capture the firebird, but the firebird would come and eat the golden magic golden apples in the, in the garden of the king. Um, and so it, it has a, it basically, it has, uh, you know, it has allusions to, you know, interpretations of, fruit of knowledge, right. And of, of, and the golden sphere is a classic symbol of, you know, the like wholeness of life and the sun and all that, all that type of stuff of like life and, and, and energy and the fulfillment of being. And so this golden apple song kind of like describes the under like a little bit understanding of, of what I know it, how, of how it is to be a, to become whole or try to be or to, you know the attempt at least uh to describe it and then kind of shifts and then it's a little three act song um and then it kind of goes into um some suspense and uh describing the firebird and then 
Um, and then it kind of ends in a jubilation of like a, of a kind of real, the realization and that flying high of like feeling like a ful fulfillment, right? Feeling fulfilled. Yeah, I love it. And it seems like there's some self-reflection woven into the song as well. Um, you know, and just some of the lyrics and, you know, your, 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 the music you make is so captivating that I think it took me a while before I could actually pull my attention away from the sounds and, 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 and focus on the lyrics. And I started to do that last night on, on a run when I was listening to your, to your stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the lyrics are just as captivating. And, and so I'm, uh, I'm curious, like, how much of yourself and your own thoughts and reflections go into the to the lyricism of your music? I mean, it always is. It's uh, like to me, poetry and and uh, lyricism, like in like it's it's all through me. I I think that the artist is just a like a lens. It's we're just a lens of the collective experience uh, we're an individual lens and an individual expression and the art i think like the artist's role and the responsibility is to uh put their own experience in like match their own experience with the collectives you know put their like make their private myth projected into the public myth you know the the like and uh the things that they feel and the, you know as an art as the artists and the feelings that they have and the experiences they have um and articulate it through the collective's language i think or la a language that that people can understand and that's like i think what you're talking about like i've always striven strive to be you know, like music that is familiar but put together in a way that's unique of you know and that's really, I think, all I've ever tried to do with the music is to just have it be my self-expression, ultimately. Um, and so it's very personal in a lot of ways, but uh, but a lot of times, um, the I that I might be talking that that's in that story might be me. It might be someone else. It could be you. It could be. It's just you know, in that <laughs> it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell sometimes. Uh, but this song definitely seems very personal. And I do say, I do speak from the first person. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's great. I, I, I've had it on repeat um, the last couple of days. So I'm just, every time I listen to it, I feel like I'm, in, I'm in discovering something else. And, uh, and what that's doing, at least for me, and I hope for others too, is um, developing a, a continual admiration for the music that you make and the human that you are um i, I think yeah. your being comes out in your music and uh those are the those are the musicians that i often have the most respect for and i'm the most drawn to so um thank you honestly yeah, appreciate that man that's awesome yeah there's two parts of the song i like it's like in the middle when the my voice and the and the bass like play the same note and that's like the climax and then and then the very end that's my, mm -hmm. my two favorite parts. The very the last yeah. like the last like two, line or two when it resolves, which is well, great. And that's like and that's like man, just that's like what I want to strive. That's like the best 
thing I could try to, to ask for is when my instincts and my feeling, even after the song has been released, when I listen to it stuff to have the climax and the ending, like that's, those are like, you know, for every storyteller and every songwriter and stuff like that. So at least for me personally, that's how I judge my music is like, if I feel something in those moments, um, and usually, and, and then it's usually like good enough. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, I like it. So, yeah. uh, but well, yes, yeah, so I was very pleased with it and the, that's that's great. Well, I'm pleased with it too. So, and I'm, I'm I'm continually pleased with all the music I hear from you. So keep it up, and boy, I, I would I, I'd love to just keep going on and on because this conversation has been fascinating. But um, we are going to bring it to a close here, and I always ask guests the same question um, to to end things, and that's you know how how do what what do you as color want your listeners or even just like the listeners of this podcast to know about you when they think of color you would like them to think what <laughs> well the word means the great hound of ulster so you could think of a big wild boar <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a tough question, man. That's like my, I think what you were saying just like before, I, I think that's like what I strive to be. Like that's, there's an artist and a, uh, an artist and I'm human. Like you're saying, that's here, that's doing their best to try to um, express themselves and lift up the people in the, in their community. Someone, yeah. someone who's striving for maybe for a noble, a noble purpose. And that's what I try to do. That's what I, you know, that's what I try I aim to do. Let's say that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. I love it. So, um, yeah, I'll just like pass along, I guess, to the listeners, if you're interested in learning more about like, um, you know, the other avenues of, of, of application for your music with sync licensing and things like that. Like, sounds like color's your guy. Uh, and I know you're, you're, you're efforting to start something, um, you know, here in Milwaukee here soon with, with the whole NFT realm. Yep. Uh, and that's super interesting too. So, um, just, to, I'll, I'll, I'll plug it for you just so you don't have to shamelessly plug it, you know, reach out to color and get involved with what he's doing um, both on, you know, from, from the channel of, of Kulla, the musician, as well as Ian, you know, the entrepreneur and, um, and see if it's something that's interesting to you. Cause I think, I think you're on, you're onto something, man. And, uh, the more people that hop on board with it, the more momentum you have and the more guidance that you can share with others. So I want to thank you for what has been just an incredibly enlightening conversation. Um, and uh, on, I, when do you when do you play again? You play again uh, in, in Milwaukee here soon? Yeah, I think I'm doing a solo. I'm not playing as much. I think I'm the next show that I have is on Saturday, July 23rd at Catalino Square. It's a solo gotcha, show. Gotcha. Um, but I am running a like you mentioned. I am running. Uh, nft mke we're doing monthly meetups our next meetup and that's a nft mke.io you can find out the meetups and stuff uh, we're going to art bar on thursday and chatting we got some folks already rsvp'd 
that are all entrepreneurs trying to figure out this whole web three space. Um, and so we can exchange notes and I can, uh, you know, we can, yeah, work together to, to like all the awesome things you're just saying. And then I'm also doing a monthly, uh, I'm hosting a music uh, showcase. Um, so I'm not performing there, but I'm hosting uh, this thing called jam and toast at enlightened brewing company. Uh, so if people, if you guys like homemade jam and bread that, and <laughs> if you are particularly if you're a baker or a love to make jam, please bring it's a, it's a, everyone is encouraged to bring their own breads and stuff. And I do think we have troubadour bread there as well. Um, but yeah, that's on Friday, which is July 15th and at light bringing. And it's, that's a free event. So it's not just a try, you know, I, I can't play all the time, but I can host the hosting is a little less stress. <laughs> I've well, maybe. <laughs> I gotta say, man, you seem to be it's everywhere. <laughs> and so to all you listeners out there, if you can't find color, um, I don't know, you may, you maybe need to just come out of your house or, <laughs> or do a quick Google search. Cause he's, he's out there for sure. Um, and to help them find you, um, where can they find you online? What, what are your, your social handles and, and your websites yeah. and all that good stuff? I'm pretty active on uh, email, Twitter, Instagram. Um, those are the main channels that, that I usually um, work with. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, those are the, I'd say that's, those are the best, best ways to, to get at me. I'm sure I'm missing something. Or Discord. If you can join, you can join, um, can join the Firebird Discord. That's that's very that's active. That if you are really interested in NFTs and what we're building there, uh, as well as the Free Music Land one. Um, so there's a bunch of discords. There is a color Discord too. But try that. Uh, there's so many discords. The Firebird is the one where everyone's at right now. Um, gotcha. but, so and NFT MKE we have one as well. So that's that's a good way to go if you're if you're interested in the in the NFT route. Um, go through Discord for sure. Uh, the nftmke.io, you can find the, the link there. Um, but yeah, if they're more, you know, if you just want to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, that's cool too. Right on. Well, we'll have your uh, your social handles in the, in the show notes and website. And, um, and then our listeners after this conversation will be blessed with a, a playing of, of the golden apple. So uh, now that they know kind of the philosophy and the inspiration behind it, um, they've heard it before, they will hear it differently now. Yeah. If they haven't heard it before, boy, what a musical experience that's going to be. So Kala, again, thank you for you know the time today, the conversation, all the insights and stories that you've shared um, that has culminated into who you are right now as a person, as a musician, as an entrepreneur. It's just been a pleasure to, to consume all of this information. It's gotten me thinking a lot differently about the music industry, that's for sure. Hey, man, I really appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you again soon. Someone comes
for listening to the Musicians Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at The Musicians Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at Musician Venture on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musician's Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>